So I want to give you the, um, the sermon of the day, the teaching of the day, and try not to belabor it too long. Again, the, the topic is steps in the practice of fusion with the will of God. God enters into you, into you and illuminates your mind and makes it divine. And I want to say that to you as a hope. There's a process. And so when I thought about those kinds of things, I see them in Jesus and I see them in, in, in several scriptures. And I want to talk about three phases of these. Maybe you'll recognize some of these in your own life. These are how they are for me. There's a pre-born again phase and during that I'm seeking God and I'm finding God and I'm having faith. And my mind isn't particularly divine. In fact, my mind is hardly divine at all. I might have encountered God. I did. But I myself was all about my heart, you know. It was all about me. And it wasn't particularly spiritual, but I knew things about God and I encountered God and so on. And then there's a second phase to that, which is being born again. And the way I understand being born again is, is that God does a move inside of us and now God can actually uh, do things inside of us and we know it. We can do things with God together. We're no longer um, separated from God. And before we may have believed in God, but now we have a real palpable sense that God and I are connected. I've been with monks and nuns who don't have that. I've been with Christians who don't have that. They say they're a Christian, but you know they're just Christian because they've they've memorized the words. But the, a spiritual process has not happened to illuminate the mind and to make the mind divine at all. And the things that stood out for me were specific experiences as well as just encountering people. The, the thing that, that st stuck out to me was humility. I had an experience where I became very, very, very humble. Had, had a divine birth of humility in me. I became dead to the world and alive to God in that kind of humility. And if you don't have that kind of humility, you can sometimes struggle in your life. Pride can really get in your own way. Your ego can get in your own way. The power of God was, was something that gave me victory. Power of God. It didn't mean that I, I could fly and it didn't mean I could jump over the mountain out there. The, God's will was starting to manifest. There was real power of God. There was discernment. There were gifts happening. There was prophetic power, there was discernment of the secrets of people's hearts, there was some degree of understanding the past and the future. There was a, a real shift in coming into the, the God's community in the world with compassion. I really wanted to help. Couldn't help much, but I wanted to help. And, and God was the center of my heart. And that may be for you. Maybe that you are the center of your heart, then you need to get born again. When you get born again, God becomes the center of your heart. It's all about God. And you self-sacrifice. And so the meaning of Christ's cross becomes very real because you realize that it's a sacrificial love that now opens doors for you. And the third phase of these three phases into fusion with the will of God 
is seeking the desert God. Uh, there came for me a time where I didn't want people, I didn't want religions, I didn't want words, I didn't want prayers, I didn't want worship. I only wanted the face of God himself. Everything else was unsatisfying, unsatisfactory. And there is a rebirth that happens inside of you. Getting born again gives you a rebirth, but there's a rebirth that happens inside of you when you encounter God in the desert. And you and God are, are together. Your, your heart is now a fusion of you and God. And you haven't got it perfect. You don't, you don't know each other perfectly well, but the beginnings of this is that you and God occupy the same space, which is very cool. But the rebirth is that both you and God are empty. You'd think that you would blow out into a fullness, but you don't. You blow out into an emptiness. It's like a second death comes along. But in that, you now have a freedom in God and you start practicing the will of God. And in the practicing of the will of God, one of the, one of the most wonderful things, and God just gave me lots and lots of experiences. God gave them to me. They weren't reading a book and going, aha, wasn't that? It was with God. And one of the most wonderful ones was the heavenly citizenship example. I'll share this one with you. That I was at home one day and God, my father, whom I had become accustomed to, this desert God, had become accustomed to, and he said, please come up into the kitchen. I went up into the kitchen because he says, I have a gift for you, and I love it when he does that. You know, come up into the kitchen, which is like coming up into a couple of steps, and then up into our kitchen area in the last house we had. And as I stood there in front of the, um, the center bench, where you cut up stuff and you can eat at and stuff like that, um, he just peeled away the world, and I'm standing there looking at the heaven, and I'm looking straight into a human being, or not a human being, a, a heavenly personality. And the heavenly personality can see me and looks at me, and it's a, it's a living, it's like going on Skype, you know, it's, it's awesome. But the heavenly being opens up his heart so that I can, I have now got the discernment of the heart of that being in heaven. And miracle of miracles, I notice that the deepest loyalty of that heavenly being is the same father whom I know and whom I love. And, we're, and I just, I shriek with excitement. It's just, it's so exciting to see that. Unbelievable. Because I've never, you know, like if somebody says, oh, yeah, an angel turned up last night. Wow, that's awesome, you know. But did you get to look at the angel's heart and see the deepest spiritual loyalty of that angel? No, not really. You know, we just had a great time. Well, and so seeing the heart of that heavenly citizen suddenly put us both on the map and, and through that one, I could trace back into the infinity where the Father himself is, the same link that I have to the infinity of the Father. It was awesome. And then this one, knowing that I'd gotten that, stepped aside and another one, different kind of heavenly person, took his place. And the same thing. Let me discern the heart. Now you don't let people discern your heart. But if you're with someone you love, you do. And so there's this move of really letting somebody read your heart, reading, reading what you truly believe in, what moves you. Because if you've ever wondered about it, you know, the Bible's supposed to have good and bad angels doing their thing around the place, and you know, a third of the angels fell with Lucifer. And you wonder, what are the intentions? What are they, what are they plugged into? Is somebody really of Christ or is somebody really, is somebody satanic? 
And you should be able to read their spirit and know, oh yeah, I can see that connection. I see what they're plugged into. You can tell a Christian a mile away there's something about Jesus that's in them that you can recognize that. You may not be able to, but it's possible. And so there were, I think it was, I don't know, 17 or 18 of these guys, female and male and, and neither, just occupied the space and stepped away as soon as I recognized it. Later my father said he had 43, I think it was, lined up for me. You know, because he knows I'm not, I'm not real clever. And it, t- it might take 43 for me to get it. But I, praise God, I got it in about, you know, 15 or 17 was enough. And that presents your heavenly citizenship to you. It's like a, it's better than a green card. It's like the president of America coming to you where you are in your home and you see the same flag, you see the same population, the same currency, the same debt. <laughs> you see everything that you stand for as well in that person. Yeah, we belong. We are of the same ilk. When that's the father, that's your heavenly citizenship opens up for you. And that, that happens with a, when your heart is fusion. And so I ask myself then, what experiences secure yourself? What, what experiences secure God? And what experiences secure fusion? And I don't want you to be sitting there thinking, oh, what a burden. I, you know, I've got all this stuff I have to achieve. No, no, this is exciting. This is, this is just what, what God's got for you. But it's inevitable because there is no other goal for you. And it's your way. It's not anybody else's way. You are a, an individual vine that has been crafted by the Lord God. God, your Father. This is his plan for you. And you can even calculate this. If you were to stick around the earth for 800 years what are the things that attract you at the moment making money having sex having a good house doing exercise having plenty of money having good friends drinking Napa Valley vineyards dry you know what attracts you at the moment how many years does it take before that's kind of ho-hum you're, you're finished with that you've done that you know, you know like how many babies does it take a mother before she says you know I know how that works. I don't need any more kids. Is it 800 years? Is it 1,500 years? Is it 3,000 years? Is it, is it 180,000 years? How long does it take before everything that currently rings your bell is something that you can say, that's enough? I'm just, I, I don't want to repeat that. I'm not interested in that any longer. That feature itself is how God calculates your spiritual growth. What's your appetite? That's what he calculates your spiritual growth on. And therefore, you can prune your life right down, right now and say, I don't have to repeat all this stuff. I don't have to go chasing all this stuff. But that then means that you, the new vine, you're looking for another wall to climb up. You're looking for another way to grow. And you have to draw really, really deep in God to grow like that without going through the stuff you already know. You start, you start growing into, into new territory. And so what experiences secured myself? I had experience with Jesus and Holy Communion. Jesus came to me and said, please take the lessons for Holy Communion so that you and I can share the bread and the wine. What have you had with Jesus? You've had something like that. And that, that dictates to you, that changes your inner person. God has entered into you. Um, 
I had, I had really transforming decisions inside of me that rejected sin and violence. I used to be really violent. And alcohol. I used to drink like a skunk. Just because that's what you did, you know. As a kid, that's what you did. And when you're drunk, you got angry. And when you got angry, you got violent. And if you didn't get drunk, well, you just got violent for the heck of it. Because you could. Really violent. Horrible. And then I had this kind of, uh, I had this desire inside of myself that was in meditation. I really wanted to go so still that somehow I could come to know God. Maybe you've done the same. So still that you can listen. You can be, you know, you're waiting. You, you, you're wanting to become just an empty blotter paper sheet so that God can embed himself in that. You're wanting that. And you might be caught up in religion or reading or yoga or meditation or prayer or all sorts of stuff. But you'll probably find it at the root of your heart is this desire to be available for God to make an imprint in some way. Amen? Because you're a new vine. And that adds an extra complication to it. And that is someone can come to you and say, you know, if you follow Guru Makmak's technique you will achieve zibeda zuda. And so you try that and it doesn't work for you because you are a fresh vine. And the big challenge to the fresh vine is God's got a way for you that no one else has got. And you can try out other people's ways, but your way is the way that actually works. And you've got to be rooted in Christ. You've got to be rooted in the Father. You've got to be rooted in the history of spirituality in the world, but you're not the vine that has already been created. You are a new vine. You are a fresh... God is drawing out a fresh vine. And it's really challenging. It's really difficult because you don't belong to what already is there. And so you're going into some foreign land and you don't have a GPS and you can't understand the language of the road signs and you have to get from point A to point F. And how do you make it through points B, C, D and E when you have no idea where you're going? And it's your choice. That's what you want. That's the route you've chosen because you're that kind of a vine. And therefore, your, your greatest asset is sufficient humility that you can be patient with yourself and really learn how do you navigate unknown territory when God is your only compass and God's truth is your only compass. How can you navigate that? And, and in the midst of those who seem to be navigating their vineyard really well, but that vineyard doesn't satisfy you. That vineyard is not your vineyard. You are not of that vine yard. And so the greatest asset that you'll have is your patience to learn how to navigate yourself. And so that, that, those, that patience, that will, that will secure you. And your belief in yourself will secure you because you've probably all belonged to some other movement, some other group, and at some point been shattered or been heartbroken or discovered that it just doesn't work or the founder is a crook or whatever. And you've been forced to discover that if you want more, realist, more real stuff in your life, you're going to have to come back to what you and God are doing. God, you're God, even though you may not know God too clearly. Yet you're forced to, that, to do that because what you were joined to isn't working. And now you get the realisation, it can't work any further for me. 
it's done whatever it could for me and that's it. And that can haunt you for 40 years. You know, you can keep going back to that vomit like a dog <clears throat> because you don't have any instruction on how God is growing you into a separate vine. So the second part, you know, then you get born again. How do you get secured in God? The thing that did it for me was getting crucified, having a, having a spiritual experience of being crucified in God did it for me because at that point and I look back on my whole life up until that point when I was 25 I'd had revelation I'd had visits from God I'd had ideas about God I'd had all sorts of philosophical breakthroughs and enlightenments and ahas but at that experience Christ entered into me illuminated my mind and made my mind divine that was the, that was the one and that got me born again that one got God moving inside of me. You've probably had one of those yourself. Maybe not as radical as that or as in that shape. But you've probably had one of those yourself. Being crucified in Christ for me. Not understanding his crucifixion because I didn't understand his crucifixion at all. My own crucifixion experience was profound. Soon after. And, and it was like his thoughts were being spoken his heart was just so open. And I started just thinking back into the guy. And we, just, we were having this dialogue at an inner being level. And he was probably as amazed as I was. But it worked. And then I tried it out on a few people. I didn't even, didn't even know who they were. They were islanders. They were guys from some Pacific island. And it was cool, you know. God, God was just pouring out of me with so much power and rapport. It was awesome. You, know, you get that kind of thing. And you get secured in God. Your inner being gets secured in God. Uh, so they're gifts of the Spirit that were coming up. And then there was um, meeting the Father in Singapore. That was really powerful for me. I did a retreat. I was working with heroin users and I could no longer, I was going through a Christian conversion, I could no longer stay with the God I had. The God I had didn't work for me. And I was pushing my need for God to the limit again. And it was probably about the third or fourth time that I'd just pushing God to the limit and I'd run out of God. And so I went back to a monastery in Singapore and did a retreat for 10 days and on the seventh night of that God the Father turned up in the room and just flooded the room and flooded me and soaked me with a whole heaven of heavens union and I didn't feel I was, a, I, was, I was a citizen not like not like when I was looking into the hearts of people but as a citizen it came later but as someone connected that was my inheritance it was fully there again God comes to you and enters into you illuminates you and makes your mind divine that's your life calling makes your mind divine. If you think that the best you're going to get out of life is to know how the world systems work, that's the unborn again genius in you. The born again genius in you starts to identify what really matters to you. And that genius inside of you starts now to harness all of those experiences in which God has entered into you and made your mind divine. And you may be discounting them. You may be thinking that they're just little things. But if you, may, if you major in those, 
that that starts to make you realize your life purpose according to what God's got for you. And it's that that will then start to lead you into desert God after a while. And desert God starts to bring you the real deal. So what was it inside of me that secured fusion? This third state. Yeah. I beg your pardon? Uh, what it means for me, it probably means a couple of things. As the experience actually happened, what it meant was that I had become a, I'd become a, a thing dead to the world and it was like I was alive in heavenly power and heavenly glory but, but dead to the world, no use to the world. And from that time on, it, it was exactly like that. From that time on, I had no ambition for the world whatsoever. Up until then, I had hoped I would have no ambition for the world. But now, I was made of the stuff that had no purpose for the world at all. And so that's, that was at the experience. Since then, I've learned a lot. I've come to understand it a lot more, and I've come to understand Christ and his crucifixion a lot more. But that's what it did for me. And, and the thing it gave me was this absolute humility. There was, just, there was nothing I could defend. I know there was... It's like I had no rights, and in having no rights was given rights to everything. It was quite extraordinary. Yeah, I agree. And when a person's crucified by life, it can be an overwhelming burden to the person until the crucifixion by life brings glory to God. And that's the humility thing. That's the emptiness thing. And when your life starts to glorify God, because God is now center stage, that's the born again condition. When God is center stage and you want God's preferences now to actually take to lead, then the crucifixion by life, which has driven you to God, has now driven you into the, the right condition. That's the value. I see a lot of people crucified by life, and they're just, kill me, Lord, take me. You know, like, get me out of here. There's, God's not getting any glory out of it yet at all. It's just the burden of life. Amen? We've all been here, I think. We've all been in that place. Um, what secures you in your fusion mind? There's something I want to talk Oh, no, I think I'm going to come to that. Um, firstly, being taken into heaven was really cool. Heaven did it for me. Uh, without going into heaven, I couldn't really believe in Jesus in the way that I do. And, and I was taken into heaven in 1993, and, 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 and that totally did it. And in heaven, meeting Christ, meeting Jesus, and meeting the Holy Spirit as a person, and then a few days later, through that same Jesus, meeting the Father in heaven as they are that that kind of did it for me and that secured me just made me secure completely coming out from that situation has been since 1993 has been looking at christianity and ministering within christianity and ministering into other religions through the eyes of that and through the eyes of this fusion. So there's a heavenly encounter, but there's also what's happening in me as an individual person. 
and seeing, making sure that Jesus gets glorified, making sure that the Father gets glorified, making sure the Holy Spirit is glorified. These are, the, these are what you want to do in yourself. It's like when you're a mum and you've got a little five-year-old boy and, or a five-year-old girl and, and you take that child off to school and there's a school play and boy, do you want your child to stand up there and really shine, you know? And the little kid is absolutely mortified. But you're the one, come on, you can do it, you can do it, because you know it's nothing. But to the kid, it's absolutely, don't, don't make me do it, don't make me do it. And you want to glorify that child. You want them to have the opportunity to be glorified, to stand up there and really, <laughs> and if they do it and they make it, you know, they do it once, then they maybe want to do it twice. And, and you've created something inside that person. Well, it's the same with Jesus. You want to glorify Jesus. You want Jesus, not a little, but you want to do that. So when you then think about your reason for living in these three zones, pre-born again, born again, and then coming into the desert God, fusion God, what's the reason for living? Check yours out. The first reason for me was escaping pain and finding meaning. Just Life was too painful. And meditation and peace that was called about seemed to say, yeah, you can, you can find meaning for life and you get out of your pain. Getting born again, getting born again helped me escape religion. And maybe it helped you escape religion because religion can nail you down into dead land real quick. And getting born again uh, helped me to find reality. I wanted God's reality. My heart was no longer full of me. It was full of God. I wanted to find what's real for God. And then finding heavenly community. And in the fusion section, it made me want to serve others like you. I, I leave home to serve you. I don't, I don't know half of you would even turn up here. I don't know that. But I live my life to serve you. Who do you live for? What do you live for? Because that will tell you whether in the, in the, in the pre-born again zone, in the born again zone, or in the desert zone in which there is nothing to live for but serving other people. All your prayers are to serve other people. That's what you live for. You get to eat the marmalade that's on your piece of toast, but you're living to serve other people. And that becomes, that becomes what's, what's natural for you. It's natural to serve Christ. It's natural to give my Father the opportunity. I love that. I love the Spirit of the Father is in every single one of you, and I love giving the Father inside of you the opportunity to act in your life. So if I pray, I've got my attention on him. I, w I want to listen to him. What does he want for you? Because what you want is usually, well, it's nice, but it's not necessarily going to take you too far. What the Father wants for you will take you miles and miles. All my prayers, and, and you might, you know, I might pray for you because you're sick or something, but all my prayers are for you to have this fusion in the Father, what I'm talking about here. There's steps in the practice of fusion with the will of God. Yeah, all my prayers are so that you can have that and you can find out about it, you can learn about it, you can make it your goal and you can help other people because you belong to a vine that is out of the box and that is your destiny. Either that or your destiny is that you're a throwaway bum that's just hanging off the, the, the Golden Gate Bridge going no place. But you are going someplace. And the someplace you're going to is hard to get to. And that's what you've chosen. That's, what, that's, that's who you've been born as. 
and who you've been born as is to find God in these three zones and to get into this discovery of God's will and to really be inhabited by God in such a way. And I've been giving some thought to creating a fusion school, you know, a school deliberately for, 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 vine, for vines that are of this ilk so that there can be something of a new pedigree of spiritual discovery in Christ here in the world that people can deliberately be grown and, and can prosper in that because I've run out of everything else. It's either take me to heaven, Lord, or, or if I stay here, I've got to do something new because what's here in the world doesn't interest me at all. There's just nothing here. And the only thing worth staying for, like you, is something so original that you get to participate with God in the creating of it, in the doing of it. That's what rings your bell. You know, if, you, if I send you out there and I say, go and pick a book off the library, that's not what you want. You want to actually do something that creates something with God that's so original that you get the joy of doing something in the perfect will of God. Amen? That's who you are. And you want it to have the ring of Christ in it, Jesus. You want it to have the ring of the Father. You want it to be holy. You want it to be so good that it can't mess up someone's life. It will be, you know, it's like horse manure. It can't do anything but grow good veggies. You know, it's great. That's what you want because you know how much you can mess up everything. And you're relying on the will of God to be so capable of delivering something that you can participate in that actually delivers good stuff. Because you're that kind of a vine. And therefore you need to know what's the territory of that kind of a vine? What sort of stuff do you grow? What sort of stuff do you teach? How, who do you sing to and what do you sing? What movies do you make? And what are they saying to the world of people who are that kind of a vine? Do you want your movies to just talk to people who are already in the vine box that's already here? No, you don't. I know you. You don't want, you don't want that at all. So you have to learn what's God, who's God for those of, of this, this particular vine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm saying you can alleviate suffering here. You, you know, God bless the invention of drugs and, and surgery and stuff like that. You can alleviate suffering here, but you've still got everybody killing each other because they're spiritually inept. And so what I'm saying is suffering doesn't really take on an aura of elegance until it's actually breathed into by eternal values. And, and if you know, for example, that you are suffering and the suffering that you've experienced is transforming you and pressing you deeper and deeper into the Father. And what I'm talking about is your goal, and you're going to achieve it in 2.3 years from now. And you'll put up with that suffering if you're absolutely convinced that your goal is going to turn up 2.3 years from now. And you will transcend so much of your suffering, you'll just brush it off. Say, I don't care, you've got to be bigger than that for me, buddy, because I've got a goal right here, and that's where I'm heading to. I'm saying you need... This kind of a vine needs to know that kind of a goal so as to be able to prioritise all of the junk mail that's in the world that belongs to the other vines or the vineless people in the world. Amen.
because this world's full of suffering. Buddha was right. Huh? Life sucks. It's suffering. And your suffering is either something that you want to escape or it's something that's going to drive you to make a different pedigree of choices that really put you on the map. So it takes hearing the word about what's God got for you. And for that, for, for us, that means you have to look beyond what's already been established because you are looking beyond what's already established. And you draw from it, but you have to find God within yourself. Um, the nature of fusion, uh, for me, there were teachings of Jesus. There was saving faith that touched me. There was a renewal of my mind. There was freedom from mind. This is as I grew. Then there was desert being, this whole emptiness. Then there was a search for God in a whole other level. And there was realization of God the Father when he turned up in, at that monastery in Singapore. Going into heaven, realization of the Son of God, realization of the Holy Spirit. Then through the Son of God, realization, encounter, immersion in the Father himself. And then heavenly citizenship. And then service in the will of God. And then really understanding heavenly distance. I do so many things in my life now to, to establish what I'm going to be doing in heaven. So many decisions I make now are related to what I'm doing in heaven. They're not related to here at all. My life here is basically finished. Finished a while ago. And so many of the things that I do here are, are exactly identical to the kinds of decisions and the kinds of works that I want to be doing in heaven. And so I pull that kind of stuff in here. And I'm not dead yet, so that... Excuse me? You can, but there are other elements. There are, there are realities in heaven that don't exist here because heaven's made out of a different substance with a different atmosphere, with a different proximity of God, with other characters around about who have experienced different things, with whole other different kinds of beings who have different origins, with a whole different ancestry behind them. And there is a projection into the future in those kinds of zones that isn't the projection into the future here. So there are many things that can be done here but the things that are done there are different. But it's still you doing them. And so as you go to map your choices and your behaviors and your your options in heaven when your heavenly citizenship opens up, you start to recognize that as you make decisions down here, the quality of decisions that you make actually imprints up there because you take the quality of the decisions that you make here with you. You know, the kinds of decisions. If you say to me, Rob, I've had a guts full of tree felling. Send me on mission. I want to go with you for a year and I want to go over to Europe. I want to go down into Af Africa. I want to go to Russia. I want to become the kind of person that Jesus can turn me into when I'm totally cut loose in faith. And I take you along with that. That is stuff that you use in heaven because then when you get to heaven, somebody says, hey, we need someone to go over there to planet Zargon and work on that planet for 300,000 years. And you say, yeah, I'm your man. Look, look at my record. I've already done that. And I survived it and I did it really well. These kinds of decisions that you make down here are, make an impact up there. That's not all the decisions that you're doing up there. But there's no point living, you know, like, God bless Mr. Jobs, but he's up there now reaping the rewards of creatively making Apple do something, you know, on a, on a worldwide basis. 
and that counts. That's, it, shapes, it shapes your life. Your decisions shape your life. You're not living your life by luck. You're living in a house by your choice, with your partner by your choice, or you're divorced by your choice. You've got kids by your choice. You raised them in your way by your choice. You're living in this state by your choice. You put you here. And in heaven it'll be the same. You're making your decisions. Glory to God. Still preaching to the choir here? This is a good day, isn't it? I'll say amen to that. And so one of the things that I that are, are important for me personally are to put in place things in heaven that can contribute back here in the earth <clears throat> and also here to impart to youth, to impart, to leave something for the generations so that there is something of this kind of a vine established in the earth for thousands and thousands of people who want to be fed in that way. And it's, you can't control such people and you can't control their feeding. So you have to give them the kind of food that in fact grows them, but grows them effectively like that. You can't just give them the old stuff because they're not eating that. They don't want that. And some of the old stuff, some of the Christian box at the moment can't reach higher than it is because it's already at its zenith. And so it requires, it requires moulding into other vine coming out of Christ. And so the readings that I took were the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16, the vine and the branches because we are, are woven into Jesus. And I have to say, when I think of how has God come into me, in Singapore the Father came into me, in New Zealand when I got crucified Christ came into me, in heaven Christ came into me, in heaven the Holy Spirit came into me, um, in heaven the Father came into me. On earth the Holy Spirit also came into me from heaven. On earth Christ came into me from heaven. On earth the Father opened the way to be with the Paradise Father here on the earth. I pray you get that one day. On earth, as I said, I saw the hearts of these heavenly beings and what they treasure the most. And these kinds of activities make me absolutely certain because God's certainty has made my mind, my heart, illuminated and divine. It's made it secure in God. It doesn't mean that I can materialize things like Sai Baba, walk through walls like you know, a bunch of Thai monks in the jungle. It doesn't mean that at all. I'm not really interested in that. I'm interested in certainty of selfhood in God. And that's, and that's God's primary plan, plan. And I've had lots of seasons, good and bad. Had an interesting season for the last couple of years with Mary going through her cancer. And we're not out of that. We're in a different season, but we're not out of that yet. But one thing, I've escaped the grip of Satan. And you need to know that. You need to know that human beings, even if they're Christians, can still have experiences come to them that can make them reject God. And that's Satan's deal. That's Lucifer's deal. Lucifer's deal is exclusively reject God. And you will have experiences inside of you which will challenge you and you will reject God. And a little while later you'll kind of pick that up again and say, oh, sorry, God. And he's cool. 
But there comes a time where it doesn't matter what the experience is, you will not reject God. It doesn't matter what it is. And you'll think you're strong. But if that has not yet come to you, I could, I could put you in six different positions around the world and you would reject God because they would be so spiritually tormenting to you that you would have doubt in God. Well, there comes a point where you no longer doubt God. doesn't matter what happens. You know, Satan and his minions can turn up right in front of you and it just doesn't matter. There's <laughs> just no way because God has just secured yourself so fully. It, you're not held by belief any longer. You're not held by your immune system. You're not held by your, your chemical system in your body. God holds you and yourself has become like that. And you have escaped the grip of Satan. You have escaped the threat of denying God, of rejecting life. And that comes to you. If you haven't got it, it's there for you. The roots of my mind are secure in the Father's mind. And so you get this fusion. You get, you get to know, how does the Father plan something? And this is the way the Father did it for me. He, just, he was in front of me and he just opened up his heart, his heart and said, discern what I want. And he just stood there and waited. And it took a while. Because you've got baby mind, you know, you, you don't know. You have to, your mind has to get adjusted. And then you discern it. And I said, I believe that this is what you want. And he said, try it and see. And so then the next day, for the next few days, I was doing this particular project in, with other people in, in, in life. And I just followed what I believed he wanted to achieve. And, and I learned a tiny little bit. And the next week I came back to him. Talk to him about that and try it again and try it again and try it again and try it again. Just different things. And you come to discern the heart of God and you know his heart and you know what he wants. And slowly, slowly, as the years go by, you start to perfect this and you know it just like that. You know, somebody stands in front of you, you know what he wants. It's very cool. And in that knowing, there's this fusion of your will and the will of the Father. It's very real, it's very palpable. It's like a good nurse knowing what the doctor wants. You know, before my, my wife, she works in dentistry. Before her boss asks for it, she's got the instrument. You know, she knows the procedure. She knows what he's up to, you know, what, what part of the thing she's up to, he's, he's up to. She's there waiting. There's this fusion between you and God. You know, you can see the, you can see the circumstance coming. And you know, huh, God's going to need me to do this. And you're geared for it. Things don't take you by surprise. Only things that take you by surprise are the things that you let take you by surprise. Um, one of my pastors over in Finland wanted to throw me a surprise birthday present. Well, how do you do that for someone who's prophetic? No, not present party, you know. And so she said to God, she said, please, please block it so he doesn't see. And he did, God did it. It was great. And I stepped into this thing and it was a surprise birthday. And, you know, you've got to let God do that sometimes, don't you? You've got to let him be God. Uh, because of that kind of a fusion, um, heaven and earth open up to you. The will of earth, the will of people opens up to you and the will of heavenly beings opens up to you. 
if an angel turns up, I had a visitation, I've told a couple of people recently, I had a visitation from a heavenly being who re regenerated me because I was so flat from walking with Mary and her cancer situation. And I, I needed to be regenerated but from a certain level of heaven. I needed that. And so this character came and spent the night with me. And because of this fusion that you have in the will of God, you, you, you know the will of such a person. You know, they're not just, oh, wow, an angel. You know, no, you're not surprised any longer. You know, and they let you know what their intention is. And so your intentionality now becomes a feature of your life. And so heaven and earth open up to you. Past and future open up to you. And so you really, you get your, you really do get access to the past. And very often you get access to everybody else's past as well. And you get access to everybody else's future as well. It's kind of, kind of cool. But the most thing, I, I was thinking about this, the thing that does it for me is self and selflessness are both secure in God. And so I can be myself and I can be utterly selfless and it's secure in God. And that makes me complete. This fusion in the Father makes me complete. I am not hungry for any more spiritual things to happen to me here in the world. Everything in my life is an outpouring to those who have a need. There isn't something inside of me that says, oh, I can't wait to go to Israel and discover X, Y, Z. And my life is just a little life. Your life's, you know, you're Californians. You're Americans. Your life is Walt Disney. It's bigger than, bigger than Ben-Hur, you know. Some of you people, I, I admire your lives immensely. I admire your intelligence. I admire your education. I admire the things that you've done. My life is just a little life. But within the context of your life, you have got your own quota, your own portion, because you are that vine drawn out. You've got your own quota that will bring you into this fusion with God, your God. And you'll do it your way. And it isn't going to look like anyone else's, it's going to look like yours. And I bless you for that. Heavenly Father, I've delivered this message of that witness. I want to give you the title again so you know what it is I've been talking about. Actually, I want to give you the scripture so you know the scripture. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. If we look at Jesus, what he says here. I come back now into Jesus' gospel. I could not, I could not have done this without Jesus. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, they work in absolute perfect union. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself and let it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we give praise to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who from time to time and probably in different worlds in his creation draws out a new vine. 
and that vine is a certain people and you are the people who are drawn out for the sake of Elijah and Enoch's kind of fusion with the Father. Amen? Thank you, Lord.